0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Lift off. We have a lift off.
1: This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm JD Layton.
2: I'm Emily Maschek.
1: Only on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. Hello and welcome to your news talk show, The Rocky Mountain Review. I am one of two news directors here at ninety point five, KCSU Four Cons. I am JD Layton. I'm joined in studio by my co-host
3: Emily Mashack,
1: as well as our lovely reporters,
3: Katie Otter and Ren Wattsworth.
1: And uh, Katie, I believe you've got a uh, local newscast to start off our show.
3: I sure do, Katie Otter. And here is your local news. Congressman Joe Nagoose came to the Laurie Student Center on Colorado State University's campus on Wednesday afternoon to host a town hall meeting, something he has been doing all over the state of Colorado as he begins his first term in office. Nagoose has hosted more town halls in the first weeks of his term than half of Congress did in the 2017-2018 year, according to Town Hall Project. Neguse is a 34-year-old freshman Democratic congressman representing Colorado's 2nd District and made history by being the first black congressman from Colorado elected into office. This term of Congress, which is the 116th, is collectively more diverse and young than ever. Nagus took questions from members of the community, as well as students at CSU. He serves on the Select Committee on the Climate Crisis and spoke a lot about the Green New Deal. He also spoke on election reform and the importance of getting young people active in the democratic process. He also touched on his involvement with starting New Era Colorado when he was a student at University of Colorado Boulder, which is a nonpartisan foundation that aims to get young people out to vote and involved in the democratic process. On Monday evening around 7.30 p.m., a woman called Fort Collins Police after getting pulled over by a suspicious-looking vehicle, reports Fort Collins Police Services. The woman who called had reported that an unmarked black Dodge Charger with emergency lights pulled her over. A uniformed man, who appeared to be in his late 20s or early 30s, approached her vehicle. He asked for her driver's license and for her to step out of her car, but when she didn't recognize the uniform he had on, she asked for his badge. When he did not present any proof that he was a legitimate police officer, the woman drove away and called 911. The dispatchers were able to confirm that no officers conducted any stops in that area during that time. The police are reminding people to call 911 if you are stopped by someone and are unsure that they are an officer. The suspect is being described as having dark hair and brown eyes, 6 feet tall, and in his late 20s or early 30s. If anyone has any information about the suspect, you are urged to call the Fort Collins Police or Crime Stoppers of Larimer County. In January, Governor John Hinkenlooper signed an executive order banning all tobacco products and use on state property. Since Colorado State University is a public university, the campus is affected by this, ex- <clears throat> by this executive order. However, the Associated Students of Colorado State University, or ASCSU, passed a resolution to formally reject Hinkenlooper's tobacco ban on CSU's campus, reports Raven Culler of The Collegian. The resolution was brought by Senator Ethan Bershek and passed 15 to 14 to 11 in last week's Senate session. The argument of the resolution is that the executive order is discriminatory against people on campus who suffer from nicotine and tobacco addictions. The passage of this resolution will encourage CSU to refrain from enforcing the tobacco ban policy on campus. Bershek says that smoking zones on campus should be introduced in a separate part of legislation. On Wednesday evening, the Students for Holocaust Awareness hosted Irving Roth, a 90-year-old Holocaust survivor, as as part of the 22nd annual Holocaust Awareness Week, reports Jorge Espinoza of the Collegian. Roth survived both Auschwitz and Buchenwald concentration camps when he was in his early teens. Roth talked about how the Holocaust was a systematic process that was created and put into motion by average people. One of his main points of the night was defying evil and the importance of taking action against evil instead of being a bystander. He also encouraged the audience to listen to one another and to make compromises in order to come up with solutions to today's issues. For 90.5, I'm Katie Otter.
1: Very nice, and I believe we'll be talking a little bit more about this officer or supposed fake officer later today in our roundtable. So if you want to get on board with that, you can always call or text at 970-491-5278 or hit us up on Twitter because we have that.
2: At KCSU FM.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And up next we have a feature piece from our very own Claire Oliver coming up next on 90.5 KCSU for Collins.
4: Colorado State boasts a nationally-ranked theater department with students who perform in a variety of shows each semester here at CSU. Students are an integral part of the performance process, not only in the form of acting, but also in stage management, design, and directing. The first show of the spring semester is in its closing week, and this might be the last chance to see this crazy British comedy. The Colorado State Theater Department is now showing one Man, Two Governors by Richard Bean and directed by theater professor Walt Jones. The play centers around the character of Francis Henshaw, who becomes a servant of sorts to two different people, or governors, one of which is a woman named Rachel, who is actually disguised as her dead brother. The other is Rachel's fiance, Stanley. Francis must keep the fact that he is working for both Rachel, who is still in disguise, and Stanley a secret. Which may seem a simple task, but as always in a British comedy, ends up being complete chaos. Bradley Callahan, a senior theater major at CSU, plays the lovely servant of two governors, Francis. Callahan has a lot of freedom with his character, which has been his favorite part of this particular production.
5: I think my favorite part has been how, how loose the show is. I've never really been a part of a show that has been so just like free free to improvise, kind of do what you want. There's a lot of audience participation. And so, you know, I have to come up with something different every time. And, and it's just in the way that it is, it leaves it open to breaking on stage and improvising lines and coming up with gags on the spot and just kind of bringing the audience into it which has been a lot of fun uh, because, generally speaking, theater is very strict and, you know, this is exactly the way it has to go. And the more similar you can kind of make it to the way you did it the time before, uh, you know. But I think that's been my favorite part. It's just been being kind of free to experiment and just kind of have fun with it.
4: The playwright Richard Bean allows the actors and directors this freedom with the show by allocating certain parts of the play strictly to improv scenes, meaning no scripted dialogue. The characters break the fourth wall, which is a term meaning that the actors will speak directly with the audience. Having the improv scenes become part of the show allows the actors to have a level of creative input without compromising the storyline.
5: It's definitely a part of the play because there are certain bits in the script that say that they're going to be improvised, and like the audience participation bits, of course, like it just kind of says something along the lines of like, Francis does whatever... With the audience, you know, like kind of just leaves it open. Mm -hmm. And just with the very nature of the play, with how we break the fourth wall all the time and are constantly talking with the audience and bringing them in on our secrets and things like that, it just kind of sets the environment for being able to just kind of let go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Waltz has been like great about that too, just like letting us kind of have fun with it and just goof around because it's just that kind of show.
4: The audience interaction also poses a challenge for the actors. Callahan has to come up with funny lines and anecdotes on the spot. In addition, the rest of the cast, which consists of around 14 performers, try to make each other laugh while on stage. So while the freedom is exciting, it can also be the most stressful part of the performance.
5: I would say that the hardest part is the same as my favorite part, <laughs> which is how free it is uh, in part because some of my castmates uh, intentionally tried to make me break on stage by improvising things and i mean we 're all kind of trying to do that with each other, just to have kind of some fun with it and it's also difficult because there's that added pressure of you don't have like this is exactly what you're supposed to do you kind of have to come up with it on the spot like all the audience participation bits where i talk with the audience i gotta you know like try to come up with something to say that's like entertaining and fun <laughs> um so that can be difficult but it's also like a fun challenge at the same time but yeah.
4: for junior csu theater major holly wedgworth her character rachel doesn't interact with the audience as much as callahan's character francis does But she said a new live audience will change up the dynamic between the actors and hopefully make the show just as entertaining for the performers as it will the audience.
6: Luckily, I don't actually have to bring anyone on stage or talk to anyone. That's all. mainly Bradley, who plays Francis, but uh, it'll be interesting. We've just been using different designers and the assistant director who have been in the audience every night, so I have no idea what's going to happen.
4: While the audience is a large part of the show, Wedgworth is also looking forward for audiences to see the actual scripted scene work, as well as a few surprises along the way.
6: I think the audience is just going to have a lot of fun because some of the fight choreography that we do reminds me of like Three Stooges and it's just ridiculous <laughs> and over the top, uh, but really, really funny uh, for those reasons. Um, we have lots of trapdoors and people falling through traps. and. It's, I don't think the audience is going to have any idea that that's coming.
4: Wedgworth and her fellow performers aren't always directly involved with the improv scenes, so they are encouraged by the director to laugh on stage when a funny line pops up or when the audience interacts with Francis in a ridiculous way. Wedgworth said her worst fear is not being able to contain her laughter— even the greatest actor can break character when a funny line is said on stage. And Wedgworth's character is a brooding figure, so when she giggles, the audience will be sure to laugh with her.
6: The character I play is supposed to be so intimidating and scary, and then I keep giggling, so it's <laughs> funny to watch, I guess. But it does freak me out, because uh, one of our very first dress rehearsals, we had a lot of the designers and production team in the audience, and... I got the giggle fits for some reason, I don't remember why. And I was trying to figure out how to legitimately stop laughing, and I just couldn't. I didn't know what to do. I just kind of stood there on stage and like stifled it when I should have just let it out. I don't know. So yeah, I guess that's what I'm most afraid of, is what I'm going to do. Because <laughs> if one person on stage smiles at me, then I'm just, I'm done.
4: Her remedy for unrequited laughter? It's pretty simple. Her wig. Which, apparently, makes her look like a famous rock star.
6: The director Walt really wanted me to look like Ringo Starr, and I guess I do. I guess I guess that's definitely worked out right, but I can't see because the hair is so in my eyes. <laughs> and I guess that helps because I break character a lot laughing, so if I can't see, it helps that nothing is funny. Jessica Krupa,
4: a third-year theater major with a double minor in business and arts administration, is the stage manager for this production. Krupa stands as the glue that kind of holds the show together. She works backstage and helps the director to run rehearsals. Her job during the show is to make sure that the lights, sound, and set pieces work correctly and are cued at precisely the right moment. In a fast-paced comedy or farce like One Man, Two Governors, it's important that every prop and costume piece are in the right place, and keeping track of those individual pieces can be a lot of work.
7: Uh, To keep track of it, we mostly just try really hard um <laughs> i have two assistant stage managers katie and lily so a lot of their job is making building paperwork we do a props running sheet that keeps track of all the props going in and out of the show costumes creates their own running sheet for costumes and then we also have to know there's a huge turntable in this show so we have to know all the table turns as well as the stuff that has to happen scenic back um, backstage while stuff's going on on stage so it's just a lot of tracking paperwork that Deck Crew uses during the show.
4: This show is a first for both Wedgworth and Krupa. For Wedgworth, this show marks her first comedy here at CSU. Krupa has mainly focused on the music department during her time at CSU. The first production she managed on her own was an opera, making One Man, Two Governors her first straight play.
7: Um, this is definitely the most difficult show I think i've ever worked on it's my first straight play as a stage manager i've mostly worked on operas and the musical my freshman year so that way yeah definitely most challenging
4: csu's production of one man two governors will play this week with shows at 7 30 p.m on thursday friday and saturday and a matinee on sunday this is the last weekend for the show and tickets are available at the University Center for the Arts box office, or online at www.csuartstickets.com. Tickets are free for all Colorado State students, and seats are filling fast. A review by the Rocky Mountain Collegian stated, One man, two governors is a hilarious treat and well worth your time and money. The acting is hammy, yet expressive, and the set is a treat to see in motion.
7: This show has been, I think, a huge challenge for everyone because it's just so big and there's so much going on. So everyone coming together and putting it together and killing it has been great.
4: Reporting for KCSU, I'm Claire Oliver.
1: And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am one of two news directors here at 90.5 KCSU 4 Collins. I'm J.D. Leighton. I'm joined in studio by...
2: Emily Machak
1: As well as our very own reporters. Katie Otter.
0: And Ren Watsworth.
1: Now, Katie, if you would do us the justice of sort of recapping uh, your uh, uh, a story on this imposter police officer.
3: Yeah. So earlier this week, it was Monday night, and a woman got pulled over. Uh, I'm not sure where exactly, but somewhere in Fort Collins. And she... Notice that the vehicle that pulled her over was suspicious, and she didn't recognize the uniform of the man who approached her vehicle after uh, he asked for her driver's license and for her to get out of the vehicle. So instead of complying, she drove away and called 911, and it turned out to be a fake cop.
1: Very strange. Honestly, this just sounds like the plot of that movie that came out a couple years ago, Let's Be Cops. And it sounds like this person took this very, very <laughs> seriously.
2: Well, actually, that creeps me out even more now because mm-hmm. I'm watching the Ted Bundy tapes on yes. Netflix. Oh, it's yeah. Very creepy. And the one, I don't know, have you guys watched it? No. I've but seen
3: parts of it. Yeah, it's too scary for me. They interview
2: the one of the women who got kidnapped by him, but she managed to escape. And he was able to do that because she was shopping in the mall and he was dressed as a cop. And he came up to her and he said, someone just broke in your car. You need to come check if anything's missing. And then, so she like goes, oh and she's like, nothing's missing. And then he's like, well, how about, do you want to file a report? And she's like, okay. So she like gets in his car, and he's like, I'll drive you to the police station so you can file a report. And then he pulls over, and oh that's no. when he like puts a handcuff on her and is like, I'm gonna hurt you. Gosh. And um, she like was able to open the door and run. But ever since I've heard that, that sounds even scary. 100% more terrifying. Yeah, how? that's
0: like something your mom tells you. I know. Yeah, geez.
3: Um, yeah, it's super scary, especially because it was dark out. And I don't know where this happened. It could have happened on like a, you know, side street, not very brightly lit or populated. And
2: I know. Well, yeah, it freaks me out too, especially in, I'm sure everyone has this fear, but especially me as a woman that I know if I was on a deserted road and a cop pulled up, it would be so easy for him to overpower me within mm-hmm. seconds. Like there's really, no, I could even... Like I could call nine one one, but it would take zero seconds right. for anything to happen to me. Right. I don't think I would that's have right. the guts to say, Are you a cop to a cop? Like that's scary
0: just in itself to yeah, me. This, yeah, this
1: this lady is very, very exceptionally brave because I would just blindly accept it. Yeah, I'd well, be like, yeah. Okay, I trust. She, she was legit.
3: Super smart to ask for his badge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and then when he couldn't prove that he was a real cop, it was very smart of her to drive away and, and call the actual cops and
2: yeah, that was, I don't know, I think, I guess I can never speak for because I'm sure in the moment, if I was getting pulled over, mm-hmm. I'd probably have a lot of more concerned and different feelings mm-hmm. than I do now, right. when I'm not, like, stressed out, mm-hmm. but, like, that's something, kind of like you mentioned, just something your mom tells me, like, my mom has always told me, like, beware yeah. of that, like, always mm-hmm. ask for a badge number, so that has kind of been ingrained in my head to at least ask for a number, especially, I think it'd be different if I, like knew i was feeding or if i knew my Mm -hmm. light was out and i got pulled over i probably wouldn't think twice but if i just randomly got pulled over out of the blue i think i would be a little suspicious for sure
1: definitely yeah it's i don't know it's one of those things you hear about but you just don't think is even possible and then let alone happening right here on our back door like
2: what yeah what i know it is scary and even just I feel like once you have a gun, people trust you. Like, even, you know, mm-hmm. in cop shows, like, they're not always in cop uniforms. And they're like, what yeah. about their gun? They're like, NYPD. Right, like, and they're
3: not always pulling you over in a marked car, Right, which is what happened in this thing, yeah.
2: case. I know. That is scary, yeah, too, because I got a little camera ticket because I was going Uh-oh. a little bit over Elizabeth. <laughs> but the car was totally, like, I did not see a cop car at all. It was totally hidden, like, totally covered mm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very and,
2: sneaky. So it's not. Yeah, that's what even like getting pulled over my unmarked car. I don't even know if I'd think to ask for the badge because there are unmarked right. cop cars that look completely normal.
1: Right. This is true. Are are you usually in plain clothes when you're in an unmarked cop car? I guess I don't know because I'm not a cop. I, I feel
2: like they have to be. I think uniform. you have to be. In- Because otherwise, if a guy did come up to me in a Hawaiian shirt and say he was a cop, I would be like, get out of here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Haven't you ever
1: seen Miami Vice? That is a legitimate police uniform in that show.
2: I have not, actually. I get lost. I lose track of all the cop shows. There's a lot of them. There are. There are so many. uh, We're
1: digressing. I just, like, I feel like. How do you, how do you like, prevent things like that from happening? What do you do as as a police department to sort of stop something like that from happening?
0: Um, well, that's like, a good question. Like, she called them, and she could have identified what he looked like and what car he was driving, and they could always apprehend well, yeah. him if they found him. So,
3: yeah, so they're still on the look for him. But also, too, like I was saying earlier, if you get pulled over and you're just not sure... Yeah, if it's a I cop, mean, like just call 911 and they'll be able to confirm or deny the fact that there's an officer at your location. Yeah,
2: that's true. You're never going to get in trouble for calling 911 and asking that. Like if it turns out to be a cop, they'll just be like, yep.
3: And be like, yeah, that's it officer Joan. Yeah, Here's like, she like, yeah, right? pulled you, you know? over for speeding, or no, that is not a legitimate officer. Please. I mean, I wonder, you know, she probably didn't have time to, to write down the license plate information and stuff like right. that but at least she was able to give us a description of of the guy and the car he was driving but yeah super scary and was super smart of that of that lady to, to do what she did
2: yeah but i would say yeah i agree always if you're ever feeling weird about it i would say call 911 and definitely i would almost ask for the badge number like almost every time because mm-hmm. you never know
1: right but i i, I guess that That doesn't necessarily answer my question. What do you do as a police department to stop this from happening again? Right, you can try and arrest the guy, but, like, copycats.
2: I I feel like that's kind of every crime, though. You know, like, what are they (laughs) going to do to stop people from murdering other people? Like, all we can really do is arrest the murderers and hope that other crazy people don't don't do it.
1: Yeah, I I guess that's true. If you guys have any suggestions, you could always call or text in at 970-491-5278 or hit us up on Twitter. At uh, KCSU FM. Indeed. I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't understand it.
2: People are crazy, but Pe- either way, be suspicious. Not in a mean way, but for your safety.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, <laughs> definitely.
2: And as for badge numbers, everybody. Mm-hmm.
1: It's true. Up uh, up next, I believe we have a lovely, lovely music segment from our very own Monty Daniels on Girl Pool. Only here on 90.5 KCSU for Collins.
8: Cool, is an indie rock band from Los Angeles, California, who recently released their newest album, What Chaos is Imaginary. The band is composed of Cleo Tucker and Harmony Tividad, who met when they were just 17 and 18, respectively, and begun to create music together. On What Chaos is Imaginary, the group explores new sounds for them, such as a few more rock influenced songs, as well as synths, harmonies, and drum machines. Something else that's new is the sound of Cleo Tucker's voice, who came out as transgender in 2017. Since he began taking testosterone, his voice has gotten noticeably deeper, as heard on the record. Throughout the album, you can hear Tucker trying to recognize and own his voice. Loneliness and isolation seem to be prominent themes on the album as well, especially shown on the title track. explore the dichotomy between reality and your imagination, and how living in your imagination constantly can make your judgment hazy, maybe even driving you to madness. Next, the song Higher is mainly sung by Cleo Tucker, who, as mentioned earlier, went through testosterone treatments and is currently struggling to come to terms with his new voice. This song in particular has a progression through the song, From questioning if he's going to be hired, to being in charge, and how that shift causes stress, but also reflection on how far you've come. you is proud to represent artists who, like Girlpool, identify within the LGBTQ community. This album is an exploration of being and figuring out who you are by putting yourself out there. I greatly appreciate the new sound of Girlpool and can't wait to see what's next. For the Rocky Mountain Review, I'm Monty Daniel.
1: Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. Wow, that was—I don't know why that started playing again.
2: It's all good. Just a little rock music to yeah, get just, uh, you pumped for the news.
1: Yeah, some some things are a little weird. I'm your host JD Layton, <laughs> as well as uh, I'm joined by my co-host. And man, I'm, that like frazzled me. That distracted me so much. <laughs> it's
2: all good. <laughs> I'm Emily Voskak, and we're joined in studio by our reporters, Katie Otter and Ren Wattsworth. Take it away with the national news, Ren.
0: Alrighty, I'm Ren Wadsworth, and this is your national news. Time reports that 16 states have joined the force in suing the President of the United States over his national emergency declaration. Trump's decision allows him to bypass Congress and use money intended for the military, the Pentagon, and other budgets in order to further his wall agenda. Many attorney generals who are, fi- who are filing for the lawsuit believe the decision made by Trump directly violates the Constitution. California Attorney General Xavier Becerra released a statement expressing his displeasure with the national emergency, saying, President Trump treats the rule of law with utter contempt. He knows there is no but- border crisis. He knows this emergency declaration is or- unwarranted. States to join the force include California, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Virginia, and Colorado. Mackenzie Schumann from the Arizona Central reports of the near-death experience of a man buried in quicksand in Zion National Park in Utah. While quicksand is often uncommon in the park, Ali Baltus, spokeswoman for Zion National Park, said that weather in the park during the time of the incident led to the unforeseen development of quicksand. An unnamed couple were hiking in the park when the man suddenly had his leg trapped in quicksand. Despite the combined effort of the two, he was unable to get free, resulting in the woman. Uh, resulting in the woman needing to leave in search of rescue. Park officials stated that the temperature was frigid on the trails as the woman hiked for three hours in search of cell service. The woman was found and treated for hypothermia, and when the man, uh, and when the trapped man was located several hours later, he was also shown to be suffering from hypothermia as well as other injuries, and it took several hours to free him from the quicksand. Once free, officials stayed with the man overnight despite the snowfall because it was decided he was in no condition to hike back out. On Sunday morning, the man was airlifted out of the park and to safety. CNN reports on the National Firefall being back in Yosemite National Park. If you or someone you love have recently visited the park, you may panic believing a volcano has erupted and lava is flowing out. Firefall is the name of the natural magic trick that creates the illusion at the park in California. It comes to life when the setting sun creates light to hit the waterfall at just the right angle. However, if you want to see the magical site, better book your ticket to California now because the phenomenon lasts for only a couple days in February and draws huge crowds from all over the world to see it. Reservations are not needed, but this weekend will be your last time to see it this year. But many have said it is a sight worth seeing. Empire Acton Jesse Smollett has been arrested and is facing a felony charge for staging an attack against him, reports CNN. If convicted, the actor could face up to three years in prison. Police have confirmed that Smollett paid two Nigerian men $3,500 to attack him, although most of his wounds were self-inflicted. He then reported the alleged attack to the police, calling it a racist and homophobic hate crime. Police uh, police believe Smollett's unhappiness with his salary on Empire was the motivation for the staged attack. Smollett left the courthouse today after posing a $100,000 bond. The incident occurred on January 29th, with, the, with many, including Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, rushing to Smollett's aid on Twitter, praising him as a hero and condemning the so-called hate crime, in which Smollett claimed that two men dressed as MAGA gear beat him for being black and gay. However, many were skeptical of the attack, as Smollett would not let police see his phone, and there was no footage of the attack itself. Further investigation revealed that Smollett had staged a crime, and he turned himself in yesterday. In other news, tomorrow is National Margarita Day, so drink responsibly, Rams. I'm Ren Wadsworth, and this is your National News.
1: Thank you for delivering us the real news on Margarita Day. Very I'm
2: very excited about Margarita Day. That's the
0: only story that has relevance Isn't every day Margarita Day? <laughs> oh,
3: touche.
0: But you can't touche. get them half <laughs> off every day.
1: That's true. Um, the whole Empire case thing is so interesting because I can't even, I can't even believe it. Why, Like... It, it looks like you're just like fishing for controversy at that point, trying to like incite uh, a, a sort of. I don't. I don't know. It's just. It's a lot. Like, why would you pay somebody to beat you up, to like just make a point?
0: Well, they said it wasn't really like he wasn't trying to make a point. He was more concerned about his salary that he was unhappy with which like doesn't
2: justify it but
1: right but you still have to pay those people so you end up with less money than <laughs> well now beat up. but
2: if he didn't get caught I guess because he's an actor like he has a decent amount of money yeah. so to him $3,500 wasn't much and they found out that he was friends with the guys that beat him up like mm-hmm. one of them was an extra on the show another one was his like personal trainer I'm hmm. pretty and, sure that
3: he like wrote them checks too yeah which oh, is my like goodness. paper trail.
2: Yeah, he did. And then he also had written a fake letter, um, like, addressing the crime and things like that. And then, yeah, he said that they were wearing MAGA hats and calling him racial slurs and, like, beating him up for being gay, which is just strange because it happened in downtown Chicago. And then also, I mean, the two Nigerian men who beat him up were also black. So are Mm, they racist against their own race? The whole thing is just... It's very strange. And it's really sad because there are people who suffer from real hate crimes and right. things like this mm-hmm. are just going to make it even harder to believe.
1: No, True. Exactly. Uh, but we digress. We actually have a, uh, another roundtable discussing <laughs> Trump's border wall. Love Yay. it or hate <laughs> it. Everybody yeah. has dun, dun, dun. an opinion on it.
2: Controversy.
1: Yes, absolutely. So if you want to call or text in and give us your uh, input on it, we'd love to hear that as well as hit us up on Twitter.
2: Yeah. At KCSUFM and then the number to text or call is 970-491-5278 970-491 KCSU.
1: All right, who wants to who wants to start this? Who wants to put All their right, foot I'll in the water? start. All right.
2: Okay. So, uh, this isn't the first
0: time Trump has essentially like gone gone over everybody's heads to do essentially what he wants. Um I don't know if you guys heard about the story of like Nogales. I think is how it's pronounced. It's in uh, Arizona.
2: Mm, I don't but think But so. it's
0: a, on the border with Mexico. And essentially the issue is that um, last year he was putting, like, wire on their wall that already exists. Mm-hmm. And they're like, fine, whatever. But then he came back at the midterm election and he was like, I'm going to put more wire. And they're like, you didn't ask anybody to do this. You just put it up and we don't want it here. So, um... As unfortunate as this is, I'm not surprised that he is essentially gone over everybody's head and just done what he wanted with no thought or consciousness to other people.
3: Um, yeah, and he even admitted it. I don't know if any of you guys watched the press conference. I actually woke up the morning that it was declared, saw on Twitter that he had declared it and turned on the news right away. And caught him in his rambling uh, press conference, which he held outside in Washington D.C. in the middle of February. Um, but he said in his little thing, even that he didn't need to do it. He oh, just yeah. said he wants the, his money quick, and so he's like basically like discrediting his own emergency right then and there, saying I didn't need to do this. I wanted to do this, um, and it's it's a fake emergency, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, th- I I agree that it is likely a, a, a fake emergency, and he's certainly hyping it up to sort of a, a new level. The thing that uh, upsets me the most is definitely pulling funding away from uh, military and military families. As somebody who falls yes. into that category, it's it's frustrating to see you know a place that typically has very limited funding have that you know even restrict even further when it comes to housing and things like that for. A, a border wall. I feel like there are, are more efficient ways and methods of protecting the border. I mean, come on, Amazon can deliver drones. Wow, I mean, Amazon can use drones to deliver packages to your door, and we can't figure out how to use drones to monitor the border. Right. It seems like a fairly cost-effective method. Maybe, maybe I'm a bit ridiculous, but I'm on the hashtag drone train. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, I agree. I. I don't think the border wall is necessarily a national emergency in the sense that it's something we need right now and the US is going to blow up if we don't do it. I do think it definitely is a problem. I don't agree when people say that we don't need border security. Like, we don't need ICE, like, free for everyone. I think that is a problem and I do think we need to regulate our borders. But the level of it being a national emergency and going so far as to take defense money, I agree, is. Over the top, and there should be a better way right. to go about it.
3: And what, I mean, I just can't get over the fact like a wall isn't going to stop things that are things coming into the country, drugs, whatever. I, it's 2019. Uh, I think a better form of technology can be implemented to um, secure our borders. And uh, there's no real crisis going on down there right now. And I just. I'm just I'm, Well,
0: I'm, mm-hmm. what I'm confused about is there's already like walls and security in place. So I'm not sure what building more of a wall would do, if that makes sense. Like I do think it is an issue and something needs to be implemented, but adding things that already exist. Like he just added barbed wire to a wall.
3: Right, and and his platform was big on on building the wall and whatever and then it went from a wall to steel slats from steel slats to a fence. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's all a mess.
1: Yeah, well, I, I certainly... I can respect him for wanting to stick very closely to his campaign planks, uh, regardless of how ridiculous they are. That's uh, I feel like that's something you don't see in a lot of politicians, but at the same point, it's it's building an enormous wall. It's pretty ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I agree. I thought... I'm surprised it almost went this far. Like, when I heard about him in that campaign, (laughs) I was just kind of like, that's never going to happen. It was a joke at that point. Metaphorical? Yeah. It was a joke. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, I agree. I don't think it should be a national emergency, and I think we should be able to address our border security problem without hurting other branches of America.
3: And and a wall can't employ people, you know?
1: That's true. It can for a little bit. You need somebody to put it in. Well, you
0: need someone to build it, of course. <laughs> However, this government shutdown has uh, unemployed some people, so... Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: this is true. Yeah, and that government shutdown was all about the wall and border security, and then look what happened with TSA. Right. Yeah. Right? They stopped showing up to work because they weren't getting paid, and that just is like defeats the whole purpose of protecting our
2: citizens and our nation.
1: Right, and they're, they're one of the most likely ports of entry, is through airports right mm-hmm. so
2: yeah i agree well if you have any opinions on this topic dear listener again send us a text at 970-491-5278-970-491-kcsu we would love to hear from you
1: right and we're going to take a quick break before we get to bum, bum, bum. i'm waiting for uh, the drum roll oh. <laughs> there we go everybody's favorite segment
2: the weather. the weather.
1: It's coming up on the 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. I am your host. J.D. Layton joined in studio by my co-host,
2: Emily Moshak.
1: as well as our lovely reporters.
3: Katie Otter and Ren Watsworth.
1: So I know that this is uh, devastating news for all of us who are hoping for spring weather to, to come a little sooner. You feel those warmer temperatures? <sighs> I am. But uh, I know I know this will break your heart, Emily. Uh-huh. but you know what's coming. Um. Winter is coming.
3: <laughs> 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 Winter's here already.
1: Yeah, winter is already here, actually. But it it's will been keep winter on coming for a
0: little bit. It some more. Comes
1: more. Uh, <laughs> so as far as I know, we're gonna get some snow tonight. Oh, and as on far National as I National
3: Margarita know, Day. That's messed no, up. No. <laughs> well, that's because it's National Margarita Day because we have snow. you yeah, need to you gotta get deal nice. with it somehow. You have that's to warm true. up that somehow. That is true.
2: Good, good coping. Stop
1: spreading <laughs> salts on the streets and put them around the rim of your glass.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's kind of a good idea just kidding no one
1: do that don't are you not supposed to use sidewalk <laughs> salt
3: for your margaritas because it's purple
1: so. so you don't eat it
3: <laughs> newsflash
1: it's purple it's purple it's definitely like white
3: yeah. definitely white well some like of it's white so. some
1: of it's blue you see ren gets it
2: yeah like crazy uh, right. don't
1: eat that it may look like candy it is not candy <laughs> it is very salty very salty and other things friday is also going to snow I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, it's all your fault. You should apologize to our listeners. I'm sorry,
1: dear listener. <laughs> as much as my meteorological cap can help decide the fortune of weather, I can only do so much. So so dress warm. Rest, dress toasty. But Saturday, whew, we're finally breaking those freezing temperatures. A high of 41, Ooh. a low of 18 degrees. A Sunday, a high of 44 and a low of 21. It'll be partially cloudy both days. And Monday, pff, prep yourself because it's going to be 41 and with a low of 21 as well. So it's just three days of almost the same weather of just bleh, but not bad. Good. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's better than, like, freezing, but it's also not as good as, like, 60, nice and sunny. You just want to go for a hike at that point. I'm dreaming of camping, and, and uh, I can't go.
2: <laughs>
1: it hurts me. It hurts me. Well, on that note, we will be wrapping up the show.
2: So sad. I
1: know. We don't want to see you go, but we have to, dear listener.
3: There's something cool going on after this, though. I heard someone has a show.
2: Oh. Oh, yeah. That's that's <laughs> me. Oh, yeah? DJ M's.
3: DJ M's has a show. Yeah. From 5 to 7. Yes. So keep it locked
2: here. Keep it locked. So I'm going to be training a new guy. Named Jeremy. So <laughs> DJ New Guy will be on. DJ New Guy. Yeah. It's exciting. Everybody listen. Stay tuned. I'll be on again at five. But in the meantime, we would like to thank our reporters, like Claire Oliver, for her lovely feature piece on One Man Two Governess, as well as Katie Otter and Ren Wadsworth. And Monty Daniel for her fabulous music segment.
1: What if we wanted to see One Man Two Governess?
2: You can do that. At the UCA, the University Center for the Arts, which is kind of not on our campus, but is part of CSU on Remington. It's got a big
1: soup can in front of it, it so does. it's hard to miss. It
2: Giant Campbell Soup Can. And they still have productions tonight, tomorrow, and then on Sunday at 7.30 p.m. Wow. I know. So I've always wanted show to see... our CSU theater some love.
1: One man, two governors.
2: Well, you better go.
1: Oh, well, I think I, I think I must now. <laughs> but I want to thank you, Emily.
2: Oh, I want to thank you, J.D.,
1: I did not sound sincere. I don't know you if I trust that. You think that every
2: time. Oh, my gosh. I'm sincere. Oh, but anyway, thank you, listener. That's for sure sincere. We'll see you next Tuesday.
1: Keep that do- dial locked. We've got Major League Chemicals by Unknown Immortal Orchestra coming up next on 90.5 Issue, Ford Collins.